Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Nick coming to you solo dolo from the Houston Outpost with a little pirate radio episode of Steelers Outpost. We got these crazy schedules going on for any new listeners to the pod, uh, so sometimes we got to kind of get these out when we can. Dad, uh, Papa Tom, the DC Outpost, it's got some work to be done. Um, I've been traveling constantly. Apologies for the day late on the podcast here, and thank you for everybody who has continued to listen to the pod and, and reach out about it and commiserate with Dad and I over the state of the Steelmen. This game, though, has to be talked about. Whether it's a long or short broadcast, I knew we had to get something out. Because the Steelmen suck. And it's very frustrating. But I think this game against the Jaguars like the rest of the Steelers' games, should come as no surprise for a myriad of reasons. That's got Steelers' loss written all over it. But I think the game in particular maybe didn't show new information about the Steelers. It probably just confirmed a lot of what we already know. But I do think it marked... The slight changing of an era here, if you consider 2023 an era, in terms of, hey, how do we need to look at the season for the rest of the year here? So we can talk about the Steelers' loss to the Jaguars, but I don't think that's really the point. I don't think wins and losses are totally the point of this season, because they're obviously not a Super Bowl contender, and they're obviously not priming themselves for a complete and total rebuild. This year is sort of more about trying to figure out what the Steelers have on their roster in a lost season under the offensive tutelage of Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin. Now, instead of talking about the game strictly, I'd like to say let's not miss the forest through the trees here. You can talk about the referees and the bad calls they made. You can talk about the defense hemorrhaging points and yards, tightening down in the red zone. Yada, yada. Mike Tomlin, you know, some people are killing him for saying the three turnovers that the Steelers got didn't put them in advantageous positions. People are ripping him for it. I do think people are forgetting that. I think it was Casey who had the pick in the end zone, proceeds to step out at his own one-yard line. So I do think Mike Tomlin actually has a point there. He's not, he's not just changing the bar. But once again, that's fans just looking at box scores and uh, quotes from a head coach and wanting to be mad. Like, just absolutely hilarious that this old, slow safety picks the ball off in the end zone and steps out on her own one. And that 
our fan base could possibly expect that that should end positively. That's not where the Steelers are at right now, but we don't need to talk about that. You know, you could talk about Matt Canada, who had clearly his best game as a coordinator in Pittsburgh, constantly scheming up massive chunk plays that the Steelers players could not deliver on. You could talk about Canada, but you don't really need to because it's all yada, yada, yada. Refer back to the past few podcasts. The Steelers is the Steelers. They're going to win games on the road where they're an underdog unless they're playing an elite team. Let's put, let's put this at the top here. If the Steelers in this era play an elite team, it's not even going to be a close game. They're going to get blown out of the building. Look at all the games they've played against elite teams recently. San Francisco, they lose by 30. The Eagles, they lose by 30. The Bills last year, who were better, they lose by 30. The Chiefs, they play in the playoffs, they lose by 30. I mean, they cannot keep it close. Sometimes they can keep it closer against the Bengals, one of the other elite teams, but that's just because they are a divisional opponent. And even then, they've lost to the Bengals by 30 in recent years as well, multiple times. If the Steelers are an underdog on the road against an average to good team, Steelers are going to win that game, especially if they've just lost the one prior. If the Steelers have just won an upset game, like they did against the Rams, and they're coming home to face a better team like the Jaguars, especially in the middle of the day, one o'clock kickoff. They're losing. They are losing. Do not play the game. There's no way they're going to get up for it. And now the Steelers are going to play the Titans on a short week. Uh, Kenny Pickett may or may not play. You know, I don't know what to think about this one, but generally it's okay. Well, now they'll win this one against a very mediocre Tennessee team. But the Steelers is the Steelers. So who cares? Round and round we go on our way to an eight and nine or a nine and eight finish and just constant mediocrity. Because I've been saying the Steelers are the new Cowboys or Vikings. Like, oh, occasionally they'll win a bunch of games and kind of have some fool's gold for you, but they're really just a 500 team. So the only thing that matters this season is Kenny Pickett. And while the story is not written, I regret to say that if we take off our black and gold colored glasses, we should be able to admit that the sample size is getting large enough now where we can determine some things about Kenny and who he is and who he's becoming or not becoming. There's a lot of season left, but it's heading in a bad direction unless he dramatically turns it around. And there are very specific reasons for this outside of wins and losses and statistics. But there are numerous reasons for why the analysis of Kenny is the most important uh, aspect of this year. Obviously, you need to know, do you have the quarterback of the future? But I sort of see it like this. If Kenny does not improve dramatically over the year, or at least substantially, The decision whether to keep him or to bring in real competition for him, not a Mitch Trubisky. I mean, are they going to sign Kirk Cousins off in a kill? Are they going to sign a starter? Or are they going to trade up to draft someone? Or is someone going to fall to them and going to draft them? The Steelers' decision whether to stick with Kenny if he doesn't improve is going to tell you everything we need to know about where they're going. Because if they stick with him, if he keeps playing like this, it's just another Matt Canada. It's another Keith Butler. It just shows you it's another Presley Harvin, the punter who had a terrible game, and uh, you know Mike Tomlin called him out for it. Joey Porter, when he was coaching the linebacker, has terrible results. Carnell Lake, same thing. The Steelers and their stubbornness in terms of, of 
of turning over the roster when they need to. They're overly loyal. They're loyal to a fault. And if they don't move on from him after this season, if he's not the guy, just so long as they, you know, they have to have a decent opportunity of getting a better quarterback. But if they keep him, then we got to be scared because they can change Matt Canada. But at the end of the day, like the Steelers is the Steelers. They're not bold enough to make changes and to modernize. And they're actually just cool being kind of a 500 team. We can't have that. But Kenny's not there yet. I do want to make that apparent. There are a lot of games left. And Kenny, he does show flashes of being a very good quarterback. You know, those fourth quarters, they are incredible. Like, he sits there in the pocket, and he is firing the ball into tight windows and making incredible plays. He's not just throwing screen passes and and people are running all the way down the field. This isn't a Brock Purdy situation where I'm not even saying – you know, Brock Purdy is just totally propped up by the Niners, not by any means, because when you watch Brock, you see plays in a vacuum. Like, man, when he drops back to pass, there are a lot of guys around Purdy, and he is not throwing the check down like Jimmy does, Jimmy Garoppolo did. He is firing it in between people to Brandon Ayuk, uh, you know, 30 yards down the field and making an accurate throw, you know, juking a guy out in the pocket. Brock Purdy's doing some cool things, but at the same time, a lot of <laughs> a lot of his yardage is screen passes or little drag routes for the guys running 50 yards after. That's not what we're seeing from Kenny when he makes great plays in the fourth quarter. He is making elite plays, getting hit and firing the ball downfield into tiny windows. But at a certain point, you also kind of got to admit, well, we do see Mason Rudolph make one nice long bomb per game. But that's, that's just not enough. We can't look at the guy and say, hey, every once in a while there's something good. That's not the NFL. I don't remember who described it like this. It might have been Sims or Orlovsky probably on the McAfee show saying recently like all the quarterbacks in the NFL are actually pretty neck and neck talent wise. What separates the elite guys and the consistent starters from the backups is the consistency. It's the ability to be able to be good all game long at almost every game of the season and not have these lapses. So number one issue for Kenny, he misses way way, way too many wide open throws where guys are uncovered. First throw of the game, Matt Canada throws out a new formation, a a trips formation, not a bunch, but a trips on one side. Deontay Johnson, traditionally always in the outside. He's on the inside as a slot receiver. Okay, already when you're lining up, those are new things. I'm encouraged by that. Exploits the Jaguars defense perfectly by having Deontay Johnson run down the seam and Kenny airmails the throw. And I know if we have our black and gold glasses on, we're going to say, Deontay had two hands on the throw. He should have caught it. Yes, that is true as well. But you know what else? Roethlisberger is not missing that. That's a slam dunk throw. You're in the NFL. It's a 30-yard uncovered seam route. Kirk Cousins is not missing that throw. You need to be able to hit him in the hands. When you play that... Replay in slow motion, it sort of looks like, man, Deontay got both hands on it. When you play at fast motion, you see, damn, he sailed it. Deontay would have had to dive full extension, catch it, and fall down. You need to be able to hit that layup, especially with how much difficulty the Steelers have had in moving the ball. Then on the very next drive, awesome play call. I think they're in, they're in another new tri- a trip stack. These are things we are begging for Matt Canada to do throughout the course of the season so far. Like, can we put Deontay and George in the slot and in stacked formations so that they're not just constantly standing on the sideline? Like, well, we're going to run straight and throw back shoulder. We're going to run a go, or we're going to run a comeback. 
Like, please move these guys around and, and generate catches for them. Well, two possessions in, Canada has done just that. Pickens runs a corner route, wide ass open. If you throw it ahead of him, good chance it's a touchdown. And Kenny throws it five yards short and it gets knocked down. These are the most basic plays you can ask for. Like Mason Rudolph is hitting those throws 10 out of 10 times. Mason Rudolph might not be getting out of pressure. You know, he might throw some dumb picks, whatever. But like the quality of the, the type of play that Kenny is missing is what makes this alarming, right? And then there were, not to mention the horrific miss in the end zone, the five-yard slant route to Deontay that Kenny just airmails four feet to the left. Again, fans are going to want to look at Deontay, who's a frustrating player, and be like, oh, how did he slip? Or maybe there was a miscommunication. We can't keep jumping through hoops to justify this. He's got nobody on him. This is not the first time this has happened in the end zone to Deontay. Remember week one against the 49ers? This is why Deontay Johnson hasn't scored in two years because he's he has nobody on him in the end zone, which, by the way, means it's great play calling. And Kenny doesn't even get the ball within four feet of him because there's pressure on him. Look, Kenny already had a lot stacked up against him with being one of the smaller quarterbacks. He's an athletic guy. I know that it feels that way when you watch him. But if you take into account all the other athletes at quarterback in the NFL, it's sort of just table stakes. So he's not he's not one of the upper echelon athletes at quarterback either. His arm strength is good, as we've seen. But once again, you can't just watch this in a vacuum. Look at all the other teams. His arm strength isn't as good as anyone in the division. I mean, it's at the bottom of the list of the starters. So you have, you have all these issues, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about missing guys who have nobody on them. And then really just weekly not knowing how to get through his progressions and, and, and find open guys who have nobody on them. These are completely independent of play calling. And so that is worrisome because... At this point, 20 games into his career, we can say that this is a pattern. He misses throws like this every single week. Last week, he missed George Pickens on a go route that would have been an ADR touchdown. It's happening every week. And these are regardless of Matt Canada because the throw is right there. This is regardless of... Kenny's stature, physical talent, it's bad right now. The Steelers should have won that game against the Jaguars pretty comfortably when you consider the the number of wide-open throws he missed. And then obviously, you know, the referees played, played a massive part in that as well. That was difficult. Although, re-watching the field goal thing, it actually does look pretty cut and dry. And I heard a couple of people talk about it. The guard, you can't have your head over the back of the ball, any part of the ball. It's not the line of scrimmage, not the front of the ball like it is for the defense. And yes, the defense was offsides there too. But, you know, um, it looks like the Steelers were actually offsides on that play, which is very, or yeah, offsides or neutral zone or however you want to call it from the offensive standpoint, uh, the alignment. But again, we can talk about all the other problems on the Steelers. You know, they're not buttoned up. (laughs) They're giving up so much ground defensively. There are other problems, but none of it really matters unless you compare it to the offense. Like, you should be able to withstand issues on your team if you don't have an offense that went three and out for the first three drive, four drives. But they did that because Kenny's missing guys that have nobody on them. And 
that doesn't excuse Matt, Matt Canada. He obviously has to go. It can be possible, you guys, that multiple people are bad on the offense, but the one that's kind of unforgivable is like there's a guy who's sitting in there. And then, by the way, when you put Mitch Trubisky in, it's just it's just an old old Kenny, Kenny 1.0, another great athlete in college who can play out of structure. Hey, I'll hit my first read. If my first read's not there, I'm going to run. Well, you're not Lamar Jackson, so you're not going to get away with that. So you don't get to see him take advantage of it. I really do wish that they would put Mason Rudolph in so we could kind of see how much meat is being left on the bone. Mason Rudolph's not a starting quarterback, and it's not like the Steelers would be tremendously better, but they, without a doubt, would complete a lot more passes and move the ball more, and they could maybe open Kenny's eyes to, hey, some of this is not as hard as you're making it. So I don't mean for this to be a trashing of Kenny uh, podcast, so I do want to get back to the point from earlier, which is that when he shows those flashes, you see that he objectively has the talent physically and mentally and emotionally to make great plays as an NFL quarterback. He has it. It's just there are 90% of the quarters that he plays, he's not doing it. So I don't know how much stock we can put into that 10% unless it rises. That being said, he has a lot of season left to go, so I do hope it rises. There's just one other issue. Not only is he missing open throws, guy hasn't made it through four games without getting hurt. I mean, nobody talks about it. People talk about Tua, you know, Anthony Richardson, obviously had to get season-ending shoulder surgery. And I'm not sure if this sort of chest rib thing from Kenny is actually uh, just one injury that he's nursing all year and he keeps getting knocked out because of it. Obviously, he came back onto the football field. Um, Maybe he wanted to go in. They wouldn't let him go in. But you do see it. Like, if you walk around a person, hey, that's a jacked guy. When you look at him as an NFL quarterback, he's one of the smaller quarterbacks we got out there. You got to be able to stay on the field too. So this stuff's adding up. I really hope he plays against the Titans because the steel, that's the only point of this season. You need to see if this guy can take a step or not, or you need to be bold in the draft or free agency or trade to figure it out because the rest of your team is built to win now. You know, TJ Watt's like 29 years old. I think people forget that. And obviously Steelers have played without Cam this year, but Cam's 34. Like the time is now. Got George Pickens on the rookie deal. That guy could be setting records, you know. So don't mean for this to be a crap on Kenny. It's so easy for me to root for him. I like him so much, but we have to be realistic with this, that the Steelers and what we watch week to week, Matt Canada is a massive part of that. There's no doubt. That's that's never going to change. I don't care what he does for the rest of the season. It's done. Sample size is massive. Even still, players on the Jaguars are calling out the Steelers plays, but he did have his best game of the season and he was not the problem. And so that's just what I'm saying, because when you look at this game, it just, yeah, no surprise. Steelers is the Steelers. Are we going to go three and out in the first drive? Oh, yep, we did. I wonder when we'll get a first down up basically the second half. It's the same thing over and over again. And Kenny is now going to become sort of the totem for us to be able to tell whether the Steelers are going to be stubborn and just stay in their ways or if they're going to be bold and, and make switches. Because you want to be loyal to Kenny, but you got 53 other players and coaches that you got to be loyal to as well, right? So really hoping it works out. But damn, man, when you get Will Le- Levis for the Titans throwing four touchdowns in his first game for the Titans, the Titans suck. 
The Titans have no offensive talent. I know they got Hopkins. They got well, they do have DeAndre Hopkins, but this isn't DeAndre Hopkins four years ago. And all the rest of the quarterbacks there have had DeAndre Hopkins. Ryan Tannehill's had a really good NFL career, but but Levis goes in there, throws four touchdowns for a team that's you know pretty devoid of talent on offense. Again, I know they have Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's 30. This is not Derrick Henry a, a few years ago. This is not like a potent offense. Kenny has five touchdowns for the whole year. Will Levis throws five, four in his first game. Sam Howell, Kenny's draft class, he had four touchdowns versus the Eagles. It might have been three, actually. Three, but he's got 13 touchdowns on the year. Kenny's got five. Like, I know it's not all stats, but I'm just trying to give an example of quarterbacks who are not drafted in the first round, who play for teams that are not good in the commanders and the Titans. You say, oh, commanders got scary Terry. And like, we got George Pickens. We got Deontay Johnson, who, who was awful in this game. I mean, Kenny, on the third play of the game, after he missed that, that seam down the middle, he did his thing, scrambles to the right, his favorite thing to do, makes an incredible throw to, to Deontay, which bounces off his chest, of course, yada, yada. I'm not excusing the rest of the Steelers players, but like this is the quarterback's more important. So you're going to get graded as such, but it's just tough, man. The sample size is getting bigger. So you don't like to see the Jaguars who are just our worst enemy in Pittsburgh, whether it's Fred Taylor or Mark Brunel or, or, you know, Jalen Ramsey and and Clayus Campbell and those guys, Blake Bortles team beats us. (laughs) Now Trevor Lawrence, whoever it is that the Jaguars are winning in Pittsburgh, but they're stealing terrible towels from Yinzers. We cannot, this has to end. Cannot have this. Steeler, Steelers, Steelmen got to buckle down. Buckle down, boys. We're going to make great decisions. And Kenny, you're the first one that needs to buckle down. He's got sweet hair. He's got a great personality to be the quarterback of the Steelers. We want it to happen. But right now we have transitioned from, okay, he's young and everybody sucks, to, hmm, we've seen a lot of examples of everyone else being good enough to put up more than seven points. You know, so now we have to start looking at that. The refs, Deontay complaining about the refs. I mean, such a bad look. Such a horrible week for Deontay. He was so good the first week, and then he reminded us this week of, whew, the Deontay roller coaster is, is official. Blaming the refs for that loss. Like, brother, you know, you had some nasty drops in there, and we sucked, and we still should have won. So, disappointing podcast i guess i didn't mean for it to be a rip on kenny session but like i'm not joking about rooting for him and thinking that he still has a chance not saying that to cushion the blow i'm just saying we need to point out kind of what's real here because this is going to help us figure out how to move forward because the steelers have a lot of talent this is not the bears this is not a complete dumpster fire but the bears are about to have caleb williams or drake may that's sort of a different story there but we know what's going to happen. Steelers probably going to beat the Titans. It's a win-lose, win-lose, win-lose. Whenever the Steelers backs against the wall, they're going to go ahead and win one. They're going to go 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight this year, and, and then it comes time to decide, of like, hey, do we still want to be in purgatory or do we want to, you know, remove the teeth of another human being who steals a terrible towel from us? Because that's the way it used to be. And that's the way it must be again. Thank you for listening. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost, SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, go Steelers.